Hello and welcome to the Net Hero podcast. It's a bit of a special one uh, this week because it's all part of our EV and charging week. As you've probably seen, hopefully on the website, we've been doing the, the feature week, looking at all different aspects of EV and charging. And today, my guest on the Net Hero podcast is Amit Chopra, who's the head of e-mobility at Schneider Electric. And it's one of those things that I think is really important to look at, which is how could EVs not only help us with our transition in terms of motion, transport, but also what they can do for a business in terms of the grid, the ability of the grid to be smart, and of course, to be able to balance the costs so that actually you're producing energy and using your vehicles to store it so you can use it at another time. So have a listen to this. Welcome to our Feature Week podcast. This week we're talking about EVs and charging. And I'm delighted to be joined by Amit Chopra, who's the head of e-mobility at Schneider Electric. Amit, how are you? Very well, thank you. Thank you for having me on the podcast. No, no, our pleasure. So look, let's just look at where we are, because EVs have probably come to the fore now over the last couple of years. And just to give a, a sort of overview, for people who don't know, although most people are probably familiar with Schneider, just give us an overview of what Schneider's doing and what your e-mobility offering is, what, what that sort of covers. Sure. So Schneider Electric in the UK and Ireland sit in the e-mobility space as a software service and hardware provider. So that means that we cover three or four main domains. Typically, we focus really on the buildings environment where you have workplace, depots and destinations. We also obviously focus on the homes, so that'd be single dwellings or multifamilies. And really, it's around that ecosystem of putting the driver's experience at the heart of it and then really evolving out. So when you think about energy demand in buildings or in remote locations, it really dictates a, a high level of expertise around grid infrastructure and not just the charging piece as well. So our view is, is quite a broad one from grid to plug in the UK and really connecting that digital system from energy generation to transmission down to the EV driver, depending on where that socket finally lands. You've um, obviously got a background in kind of uh, infrastructure builds, particularly the data side of things. Yeah. But what about sort of charging? I remember years ago, I think it must have been oh, nearly a decade ago, seeing some sort of provisional Schneider charger. But I haven't really seen them on the road yet, unless they're sort of branded something different. Are you actually making charges as an organisation? Yeah, absolutely. So Schneider Electric entered the EV charging manufacturing domain around a decade ago now. So that might have been one of the early ones you saw. Um, and with everything that we do, it's all around smart technology and being open with our communication systems and making sure we can really interact in that wider um, IoT digital landscape. So we, we do manufacture AC or, you know, up to 22 kilowatt AC chargers, which are commonly used for work and, and home, single phase at home. And then when you move into the more public environments, such as, you know, an oil and gas environment, that's really a different area of expertise. So that's really where our grid play comes into it. So behind the charger technology, because that's where you're putting in a lot of power, high amount of power for what is now a EV charging hub. And that contains everything from, you know, containerized package substations to LV feeder pillars. More importantly, what we're seeing a lot from customers today is the demand requirement for it to be smart and connected. 
which really helps them with the ongoing business servicing costs. So, you know, the smarter it is, the easier it is to maintain and operate, et cetera. So it, like I said, it, it covers lots of different layers, lots of different domains from grid to the charger. People are going to be struggling right now. I mean, look, we're all struggling, right? So it's obvious we've had the package from the government, which, you know, obviously has all been delayed by the death of the Queen. So, but we you know we'll, we'll look at more scrutiny on that probably in the next few days. But what's clear is that there's due to be a, an announcement on how to support business. And the businesses that read and follow Future Net Zero, many of them are big, obviously, and they'll be doing things in this space. But some are uh, small, some are quite small indeed, SME level. But a lot are in that mid zone. I suppose the thing is that people who've got big fleets have been thinking about EVs for a while. But, you know, can a small business say, actually, do you know what? This could be something useful for us to transition our two or three company cars into EVs. What, what would you say in terms of kind of that, the, forget the sustainability for now, but the kind of cost benefit in the sort of pressurised economic times we're living in? I think when you when you look at any size of organisation, especially when you're looking at fleets or, you know, one or two vehicles can still be considered, a, you know, two or three vehicles can be considered a fleet. A lot of the decisions come down to a few factors. So one is availability of vehicles. What's on the market today for a business to be able to transition their current vehicles, petrol, diesel to electric? Can it still sustain their business demand today, whether that would be size of vehicle or range of vehicle? And everything we're seeing year on year is is the fact that batteries are getting bigger with higher range. And also the general construction of vehicles are changing as well, especially for parcel delivery vehicles. You know, the, the generic inside of a van is changing to be, be more space efficient and also contain a bigger payload to be able to drive further. So first of all, the availability and the type of vehicles are becoming much more market ready for businesses. The next thing probably to think about is, you know, where do people charge? Where's that burden? Yeah, that, that, that's the big one, isn't it? it it's it, 70 to 80% of charging happens at home. We're, we're still in early adoption phase in EVs, but, you know, you know, I drive an EV, you drive an EV. They're plugged in at home most of the time to charge. So if you, yeah. think, if you think about that, 80% of charging could potentially happen at home. It then becomes a question on, you know, how does the business service that charging element at home on the go and at work in in three different locations and you're looking at about 20 percent, 25 percent extra demand on a home which is quite a lot so that's where the market's moving is it possible yes because you know total cost of ownership at the moment is is becoming more of a level playing field between battery electric and um, combustible engines so when you look at the ongoing cost of evs versus petrol car there's no maintenance cost on an ev virtually no maintenance costs, sorry. And going back to the government support package and everything you mentioned earlier around the new announcements, it's still early days to really understand what, what impact. Yeah, of course, of course. We think, and you know, I've looked at some early numbers, think around about if you're charging your car for about 100 miles on an EV with an energy efficient tariff where, where you charge off peak, your, your charge to charge that 100 miles is about £8.50. So to charge a 300 mile vehicle, which are on the market, you're looking at somewhere between 25 to 30 pounds to charge it at the moment. So it, you look at the, the ongoing fueling costs of an EV versus a, a petrol diesel car, it's significantly lower still. But you know, there's a lot behind that involves having connections to smart tariffs, having a smart system at home, and not just treating the charger as a, as a plug socket, but a gateway to an energy transition piece for the home. 
And I think that's the thing, isn't it? I suppose for a smaller business, I mean, look, I, I'm lucky, you're probably lucky that I've got somewhere to park. So I could, you know, where I lived before, I couldn't. Though saying that, they are starting to put sort of street charges in, in my neighbourhood. I can see that the lampposts, a few of them have got that. And you start to see charges popping up here and there. But in terms of that kind of thing, I think a lot of business people still have this reticence of, you know, doing something new and obviously the cost. And the cost of an EV is still a lot higher. I know they're coming down, but it is still significantly higher at present. What would you say to businesses when you meet them and they go, well, you know, I mean, I kind of like the idea of this, but, you know, we've known this fleet guy, this is what we get. And, you know, I'm used to this. I know what I'm getting. I know how to run it all. I'm not too sure how much range I'll get. I'm not too sure about the outlay to begin with. How do you convince someone that the economic side of it, again, we'll talk about sustainability, today, but the, the economic side of the EV argument is one that is worth pursuing, even if upfront it's a little dearer. So you're asking for my sales pitch here, aren't you? So um, Go on. <laughs> <laughs> so I think what's really important at the moment is actually, if you look at the, the data, around about 50 to 60% of new vehicles are purchased by businesses. And around about high 60, 70% of those are now electric out of that proportion. Yeah. So we know that most of the people, most of the uh, vehicles that are born in the UK today are electric through businesses. And that's because, you know, businesses are different to individual um, personal use drivers because businesses look at the asset of the life cycle over the least vehicle uh, time frame. So you look at a four to five year period. And if you put the upfront cost of the vehicle in there as, you know, higher than a, a petrol diesel car today and look at it over a four to five year period, it's significantly lower to own a battery electric vehicle today over four years than it is a petrol and diesel car. Because going back to the fact that electricity is cheaper than petrol and diesel, especially at the moment, relatively zero maintenance costs in a vehicle. Whereas if you if you run any sort of fleet, you'd know that, you know, tire degradation, servicing, maintenance, moving parts in a vehicle, very expensive as well now with raw materials increasing. So the main reason why businesses actually look at it is because if you look at it as a one-off transaction, which most fleet managers don't, but a, a business might look at a vehicle purchase a one-off cost, it's the um, asset lifecycle, which is a lot um, cheaper to main, maintain and own. So the main reason businesses really choose to move over is linked into that. But also, when you start going back to the, the core values of putting a lot of power into a building now, you then start thinking about, okay, well, actually, this really leads into how do we transition our energy supply from being what could yeah. be a diffuse um, network of, you know, fossil fuels and, and coal and gas and more into a more sustainable avenue. When you uh, look at larger businesses, the, the concept of vehicle to grid, it's, it's, it's sort of out there and you can see it will probably happen. But for, in the short term, there's a lot of stuff where people are now going, actually... Uh, let's do it all behind the meter. So let's have some solar generation. If we have the ability to have storage, let's have some battery storage, solar panels, not many turbines, but yeah, but you can have a whole, whole system where actually you're generating your power, you're putting it in your fleet vehicles, and when they come back at night, they're dumping, or in the day they're dumping, and you can manage it. How do you see that kind of almost, not completely self-sufficient system, but that sort of terrible word prosumer system happening more and more with businesses are you are you starting to see with larger ones people are looking at that bigger play and saying how can you help us with this 
yeah, it's been there for the last five years at least and growing more and more in, in demand and requests for grid resilience ultimately. Um, yeah. You know, prosumer is a, is a, it's a good word because it... it <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> I think it, I think it's a very good marketeer's word because yeah. it can really help to make people even at home people at home can become prosumers now right yeah, yeah. so um, in the business context it's a growing demand because when you start looking at where our grid is today and and how it's going to be able to cope with the amount of electrical demand going onto it we have to create this ecosystem which is based around first of all resiliency smart technology and then the prosumer element where the user of the energy or consumer of it can actually engage in a interaction with the grid, whether that be offsetting local network challenges, whether that's keeping it very basic. You could think of it like, well, I have solar. I have the ability to bring in some sort of renewable. I can charge my battery on site for my 100 cars and dispense it into the vehicles when they need it at the cheapest point. So there's a whole moving dynamic at the moment around how businesses view not only their energy system but their fleets as well and how it can engage in that so is the technology there yes but i think going back to what you mentioned about vehicle to grid or vehicle to x or you know vehicle to load so many different ways to phrase it yeah yeah uh, the first thing is that you know without pushing the boundaries of technology and moving forward with it you know we're going to be in this place where we we always have to try and test things to make to understand what's most viable for what customers out there yeah so vehicle to grid for for us as a, as a business really resonates in the home environment because, you know, you go home, you have one on one engagement with uh, demand. So you, you really have an individual making decisions around the energy usage and when they want to, and when they don't want to participate. Um, when you start taking that out into a wider context and into different environments, it can become more of a challenge because you have to have multiple stakeholders to buy into that. So I think the first place vehicle to grid will really take off is in, is in the home environment, but don't forget the home is part of that wider grid ecosystem as well. So there will be that natural balancing act that occurs. And then also the government's recently announced some very interesting smart regulations, which have come into effect as of June, but really come into play as of January next year, which is around, you know, things like when you plug your vehicle in at, at home or at work, there's some smart charging protocols that go with it. And that can be things like randomized start, delayed start, but also connections to your local utility through the charge point itself. So this whole space is really moving very quickly, and so is technology. So, you know, we in Schneider, we call, you know, things like battery storage, connections to the grid for uh, energy resource, microgrids, because you're, you're becoming self-sufficient, independent to your local utility. Um, and that's a really interesting technology in Schneider and something that we see a lot of demand for. You talk about the resilience. And let me give you an example that's happened to me, which is I got my EV about, oh, must be nearly a year ago. And for the first, until what, until, where are we now, September, until August, I kept having problems where it kept tripping out the load, right? Because I live in an old house and the power system. So in the end, I had to get, my you know uk power networks is my local dno and they had to upgrade my cable um and this is one of the things that will happen isn't it because obviously our electricity system was put in sort of mainly sort of 1920s 30s so to try and make sure that we can cope with what we've got now my fuses were 60 amp they had to be upgraded to 100 amp you're going to start to get that 
around the place and there's a cost to that but for businesses as well they'd have to pick up that cost right so how do we know that we can if we're keen and we think actually i've got a bit of space and i could do it i've got sort of 10 15 cars i want to do it that we can actually cope the grid there whose responsibility is that is that somewhere where you guys can advise or is it just up to the customer to go and talk to their local uh, dno or or the to national grid it's a, it's a really good question and we um we're currently converting our fleet to electric so we're part of the ev100 group today um which is a commitment to convert our fleet to 100 electric by 2030 we've taken a more say aggressive stance on it to move it before 2025 and we have around about 1500 vehicles in our fleet so you can imagine at the moment i think we're, we're probably about 60 percent of all of the way through the transition so we've really seen under the skin of, of how this operates and works and interestingly we you know we also speak to our customer and one customer just said you know rather move house than go through the headache of having to go through the upgrade it is a very complex system to go from overly complex some might say but to go from um, i'm at home and i want to put an ev i need more power because it then ultimately becomes the the local utility's responsibility to upgrade your connection and that fuse as well to be able to let you take that extra power and, In, and there's a, and there's a waiting list for that obviously yeah. because they're all under pressure yeah so that affects a business's decision because they might go i want to do it but oh my god we're gonna have to upgrade yeah and, that, and that's the that's the, the tricky part because actually that can that can really put businesses off to want to go to electric because it becomes very complex very costly and the easiest way around it and this is what we we see with our customers is actually understanding the vehicles better so a lot of it comes down to how many vehicles you are planning on charging how much power they need how long will they be there for and you can adopt smart charging systems for a site so you can do things like vehicle prioritization um, you can do, you know, if you go to a site and you want to be a VIP, you can take dedicated power um, and you can balance load off existing supplies as well in that built environment. So, you know, when buildings were originally designed, I'm talking commercial buildings here, when they're designed, they're designed for that one moment where there's potentially peak demand with some diversity associated with it. EV was never taken into consideration. Of so, course. Yeah. So now we're, we're getting into this space where actually there is some redundant power in a building throughout the day not always but if you can utilize that add smart charging to that and create a smart ecosystem with some sort of renewable energy maybe some micro battery on site as well you're you're looking at really two propositions one is how do i become more self-sufficient and sustainable with my own electrical load versus what's the cost of increasing the supply from the utility so those are the conversations we end up a lot in with customers today and buys them through it so we have our own uh, electrical consultants in the business that are really proficient in understanding those different ecosystems and technologies and really taking a a product agnostic view for a customer to be able to really give them the best outcome with the supply they have today let's talk about smart okay so uh, before we end the way things are going right this transition is underway now some people say that there'll be they don't call them electric vehicles they like to call them zero emission then you could have hydrogen cars and who knows what but I think the vast majority of us probably expect electric to, to take off much quicker. But that also comes, as you just mentioned it there, knowing, right? So the, the car I drive now has got lots of gubbins. Of course, being the old git I am, I have no idea. I mean, I'm sure you know what your car does. I, I just turn it on and drive it. But it can give me lots of information, right? Data and everything like that. 
And this will become very important for businesses that the vehicle, like, like they say, I don't have to charge. I know that I don't charge my car to 100%, right? You charge it to 70% or 80%, whatever it is, for the battery life and all of these things. So do you, do you think this side, two things, one, how important will this data part come? So the vehicle saying, hang on, I need to charge, or no, here, I'm good, I'm going to discharge now. And B, this is going to be an element where cars suddenly become assets, fleets become assets, because they're part of your energy generation system. And so they come with a risk, which, you know, a car would be stolen, but that's that. So there's the data that's, that's making the system smart, but there's also the cyber security element of that. Let's discuss those two areas where you see that. Sure. So first of all, how important is data? I, you know, going back half a decade, so, you know, very early charge point installations, there, there wasn't any real demand for anything to be smart or connected or, you know, extract data because the ultimate demand at that point was, how can I just plug my car in to get some power back into it rather than multiple chargers, more data, more cybersecurity required around it, especially in the business environment. So we've seen a, a push towards more um, open protocol systems. So in EV, the, the common language is OCPP, Open Charge Point Protocol. And really any business organization looking to go towards electrification of their vehicles, first thing they really want to make sure is that they have an open system so as that data landscape becomes more clear and rigid to them, they're able to access it regardless of what the, the hardware asset is. So technology and standardization and protocols are really starting to cement themselves in this industry. The importance of data for a business now is also down to how much they, they view and manage the uh, fleet themselves. So we see a lot of charge point management systems in the industry, which provide really good insight to fleet owners, um, which not only go from, you know, I need to get, I'm a business with 50 vehicles and I'm a parcel delivery vehicle. I need to make sure that I can get these out every morning. They sit there for nine hours. I have X amount of power. I can make sure they go out. You know, data is key in that to be able to create the algorithms to send it out. However, whenever you connect into the electrical distribution system with IT and data, cybersecurity is a massive cornerstone of that because it can also create a risk, as you said. Not only just cars becoming an asset, your data is an asset as well connected to your business. So everything that we, we do from grid to plug is cyber secure and we follow all the, the cyber secure protocols that are commonly in place. But, but, but we, sorry to interrupt you, but as a business, we have to see that now, don't we? That this potential, because I've just had to take up cybersecurity because we're an online publisher and we're now being attacked and these things are, are fairly commonplace but if you're kind of you know i don't know you're running a removals business and you go to ev suddenly you the data of where your vans are and everything all of that is quite important and you may not want that getting out and also you've got to be aware of this so do we need to start to think businesses might need sort of some help to try and understand as you said the car is an asset or the vehicle is an asset but also a data source and a data leak problem. Yeah, I think it goes back to the the willingness of the business to own the data as well and have that within their ecosystem. We do see some businesses, large businesses in the UK, really choose to outsource a lot of this requirement to third parties to take on the ownership of it. Um, and they need the guidance on that to understand actually what their long-term liability and security protocols behind it especially when you're managing large fleets which travel home, work on the go. 
being open, we see a lot of businesses actually wish not to take on the demands behind the electrification process or even the data ownership of it. And it is yeah. probably that, that stopgap of actually educating businesses to make them aware of how much data they have now available outside of their control. I don't think they're fully aware that actually the electrification of their fleet will have a huge impact on that cybersecurity element going forward. And again, going back to what we spoke about earlier, it's really of how, how can we simplify this the most for customers without making it an overcomplicated process, uh, which is a bit of a challenge in the industry today. To end with, I mean, you know, for all the businesses that are listening into this, it is, it's in the end of the day, it's, it's, it's your choice. But there is an, you know, hey, but within the next eight to 10 years, you won't be able to buy any ICE vehicles, you know, fossil fuel cars anyway. So that's happening. And as you say, manufacturers are changing. So the choice is changing. Um, for someone who's still reticent, or what, what would you say? What's the advice you can give them to try and, because it is very complicated. I think it's very complicated for people who are not from the kind of energy world. Uh, what would you say, look, how can you start to just, get some simple information to help you make the main, main thing is an informed choice isn't it yeah absolutely um i think it's like, talking to any um, small to medium-sized businesses one thing that really sticks out at the moment is how much information is available to them from lots of different sources so you have you know not only the oems with information around electrification processes you've got fleet companies local utilities manufacturers themselves, us like ourselves, um, charge point management companies. Fundamentally, you've got lots of different domains of expertise. So I would always say that going to those main core pillars, cornerstones of expertise is really important. So if you're going to a uh, transition to electric vehicles, and the first thing that you want to understand is the electric vehicle, you should really go to the vehicle manufacturers to understand exactly the technology, the, the vehicles that are there. When you get to the stage where, and we see this a lot because people tend to order their vehicles before they think about the infrastructure, but really the infrastructure... It goes hand in hand, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. it has to go hand in hand because when you place the order for the vehicle, what we see with a lot of customers' vehicles turn up, they have their nowhere, there's nowhere to charge it. So please, when you're thinking about vehicle selection and procurement, you also need to have this vision and idea of your um, charging infrastructure as well. And when you get to the charging infrastructure, the the softwares the systems the hardware the distribution systems you you want to bring in those specialists in those domains as well um, what we want to try and avoid is one size fits all in industry because every installation every customer every demand is unique in this industry which is also it has its added values because you're able to engage with customers better really go through the journey with them and and there's a lot of lessons learned in this industry over the last four or five years so I'd probably one bit of advice is to speak to the experts in the right domains where you can. I mean, thanks very much. I think we've covered a lot of ground there. If, if one of people want to get in touch after this podcast, uh, you happy for us to share your email and everything like that? Yeah, sure. So um, we have a we have our Schneider Electric um, EV email address, but um, I'm happy to to ping out. Do you want to give? Yeah, well. do you want to give that out? Yeah, sure. So um, my my email address is uh, Amit aymit.chopra.gb at se.com um, and really you know we, we have a really high skilled team in Schneider for electrification and it's still really early days so there is no such thing as a, as a silly question today and as the industry matures still. Brilliant thanks very much for your time and uh, yes let's uh, let's see what happens over the next few weeks uh, so business can make uh, more informed decisions around 
EV transition. But I think both you and I agree it's underway. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. No problems. Uh, Amit Chapel there from Schneider Electric. Uh, thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe. Next week, uh, if you are technically minded, blimey, do we have a podcast for you. So uh, I've been talking to an expert about two things that blow my mind, blockchain and carbon credits. So we'll be unpacking and unraveling what carbon accounting is, carbon credits, and the way blockchain can make sure that when companies say they're doing something, and they're offsetting, they're actually doing it and not greenwashing. So don't miss it. Keep subscribing, keep supporting your website. I'll catch you soon. You've been listening to the Net Hero podcast with Summit Bose from Future Net Zero. Visit our platform for all things Net Zero. And if you or your business is doing great things on the path to Net Zero and want to be featured on the podcast, email nethero at futurenetzero.com. Follow us on social media. FutureNetZero.com. Better business, better planet.